Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the POT Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing the CEO and founder of Torrance Learning, a frequent speaker at conferences nationwide, and the author of Agile for Instructional Designers, The Quick Guide to Llama, and two ATD TD at Work publications, Agile and Llama, for ISD Project Management and Making Sense of XAPI, Megan Torrance. Welcome, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me on today. Well, we are so excited that you're here. This is going to be a fun conversation. This is a topic that I think that Chris and I know a little bit less about. So we're bringing a lot of curiosity into this one. So before we even get into the topic of the day, which is Agile for Instructional Designers, we would love it if you would tell us a little bit about you. Sure thing. Sure thing. So I am based in Michigan and, um, and Torrance Learning is based in Michigan, although we're kind of spread out around now. <laughs> and, uh, I got my start in the learning space in about 2002, uh, implementing learning management systems. So, um, I then moved into the instructional design space, uh, and then from there onto XAPI and data. So I kind of, whole full circle all the way around the L&D environment. I love it. And I share that with you, by the way. I got my start with LMSs as well. So really excited to get to chat with you. And we were kind of chatting before we hit record today. I know so little about our topic that I was trying to figure out if it's agile or agile or a pronunciation that I I might not necessarily know. So if it's all right with you, I kind of want to start there because the concept of agile has been a big player in the world of software development for a while. But I'd love to hear from you what your definition of agile is and especially how it connects into our world, into talent development, into instructional design, you know, some of the components that may be a big part of the world that we're in. Let's dive in then. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> Agile, right? So you got it. You're totally right. Um, <laughs> Agile started in the software space um, and it really became a thing, a named thing um, about the time I started working with LMSs, so right about 2001. Um, and it had been... <sighs> in its early developmental stages prior to that. But really, it was software developers who were looking at how they did their work, how they responded to um, changes, and not only changes imposed from outside, I'm making air quotes, of course, it's a podcast, you can't see air quotes, but not only changes from stakeholders or, or users or subject matter experts from outside, but also as the team uncovers more about the work that they're doing, mm. they uncover new ways of, of, of making it better, right? So, I mean, how many of us have been in the middle of designing a learning program of any sort and we came up with a brilliant idea it was kind of out of scope, right? Oh, so, sure. Right? Been there. So yeah, right. <laughs> it's not just, it's very easy to blame our stakeholders and our project sponsors for foisting changes upon us, uh, but we kind of do it ourselves too. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, 
what what was going on was really this um how do we balance the need to incorporate change into our work without risking our ability to deliver and the agile principles and the agile uh, values are really all about how do we quickly right in short durations of time get something out and releasable right in some format um to users and stakeholders early so that we can get the feedback and know what the changes are. You can almost think of Agile as a way of gathering change on an orderly basis and accomplishing work on an orderly basis, as opposed to a method um, that we'll all, we're all probably familiar with, the ADDI model. Right, so analysis, sure. design, development, implementation, evaluation, in which we aren't releasing and evaluating to the very end of the project. And that's a process in which receiving change in the middle is very disruptive. In fact, the ADDI model was designed right, with an eye toward mitigating the risk of change by thinking through everything up front. That just doesn't happen. We can think of a lot of things up front. And so that's that, that, that mind shift um, that takes place. There's a lot going on. There, Scrum is one way that software developers apply Agile. There are other ways of it. And then what um, my team and I created was called Llama, or the Lot Like Agile Management Approach, way before llamas became cool. Like, I think Holstein cows were still cool um, <laughs> when, when we came up with this, right? Um, and but but uh, uh, and, and so this is an, an instructional design lens on the agile principles. Wow, I wish I had had that explanation when I first was learning about. And I haven't gone in deep, by the way, just kind of overview learning about agile and Addy. I wish I had that explanation because it makes a lot more sense to me now. You know, and and Chris. It's not that we constantly change and constantly flex and constantly, you know, keep working on something forever. Um, those are often poor implementations of the agile yeah. model, right? It's it's more that we have an orderly approach to it and we don't fear scope change because that means people are paying attention and we're making it better. Yeah. Well, now, and you mentioned Llama. Can you share more about that methodology and then maybe compare it? Uh, or how, you know, how does it fit into Agile and Addy? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we in in 2009, I started learning about Agile. We did our first Agile um, projects. Um, of course, in 2009, I was learning from software developers how they did Agile, and um, and we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> we, it was like wow, right? And and our heads were pretty much exploding. Our clients were really getting, uh, really liking. We were not only managing our lives and our projects, but we felt like we were building something better as a result. Um, so we're we're all just having this big love fest. But there were some things about the software approach to agile um, and software development in general that just didn't fit an instructional design model, and. At first, we fought it or we faked it, um, and you know, you know. I mean, just a, a, an example, right? Uh, the 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 primary thing, right? If you boil software down, right? Software is functions and features. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's great. We have functions and features um, in e-learning, even instructor-led training, right? We have functions and features, but we also have those pesky learning objectives, <laughs> and they operate differently than a function or feature does, right? And so we we were finding that there were some things that were different, and so we started making modifications by about 2010, 2011, and. Um, one day in 2000, early 2012, we were sitting around and we said, like, we mapped out our process and we said, we've made so many changes. Can we still call it Agile? Like, that was my deep question was, was it inappropriate to call it Agile because we had modified it? And um, uh, one, of, one of the guys on our team, uh, Matt, said, well, it's, it's a lot like Agile. And somebody says, la. And then somebody said, ma, and the next thing you know, over the weekend, <laughs> the snazzy llama with a cape logo got made and poof, we have llama and it's a thing. Oh, that's we never brilliant. thought it would be a thing. Um, and it's really taken off. It's, it's kind of nuts now. It kind oh, of wow. had to be a thing after that start, right? <laughs> that is terrific. So uh, what does, so, I mean, what exactly is Llama? That's how it took off. And I know it was some adjustments, but for those that you really don't have any idea, could you go a little further into it? Sure. It's really um, the implementation of agile techniques in an instructional design context. Um, we, it's, it's a way of kicking off a project in order to establish relationships with business sponsors, to define scope in ways that can be um, shared and agreed upon with, with those stakeholders um, and modified when the time comes for that to happen. Um, it's a way of breaking down great big things into small, manageable things. And it's a way of um, developing and even releasing, even if it's not full-on ready for primetime release, um, in rapid, short cycles that allow you to get feedback. And a lot of times we get feedback as, you know, we, we make a draft and, and, and we send it to the sponsor and we send it to the subject matter experts, we send it to our instructional designers who are sitting next to us um, in the next Zoom room. And, and all of those people give great insight into the project. Not a single one of them is going to take that course in order to do their jobs better. And so Agile also, and Llama in particular, really connects us to the learner, to the user of what it is that we're building, to get feedback that then drives into the next iteration. So it's really bringing that learner-centered design concept front and center is what it sounds like. Completely. Oh, wow. Right? So, yeah. So this takes, right? So there's a little bit of UX design before UX design was even a thing, right? With a name like that, right? It's a little bit of, so then design thinking, it's all of that along with these great flexible um, project management techniques and a mindset that doesn't resist change. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting as you were kind of sharing some of this, I was thinking I can understand the connections in with Addy and where I was starting to see parallels was with Sam. So the successive approximation model. And I was thinking, I wonder if, you know, they're they're similar, maybe very 
close to being the same thing, I'm actually seeing some big differences there because it's almost, you know, more of that learner focus, the way you're talking about it, as opposed to the design. It's really about the people being a big part of this rather than just the iterations of the design itself. It's it's super people-centric and yeah. super learner-centric. It is iterative. So mm-hmm. um, you could use Agile or Llama to manage a SAM project. Right. Right. Um, Sam is the iterations itself. So I, when I draw um, the Addy model, it's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a bad idea. I just draw it differently. So I draw it as a looping, a con- you know, not a constantly looping, but it's severally looping. Yeah. Um, that's a word. I just made it up. Um, <laughs> where we do some, some analysis, some design, some development, and then we get something out in front of people to implement and evaluate. And it might be rough. It might be a small section. It might not. It, it might be a prototype, and we get feedback that then generates another round of design and development. And we expect that we will have more new ideas, new things to design, new things to develop, and we're both advancing the project to the next more finished version, as well as incorporating those changes, which we all do anyways, right? Except that a lot of times I find people like, oh, they approved that in the storyboard. Why are they changing it now? We, we built exactly what they told us to build. Mm-hmm. And now they want changes. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, because we're making it better. Yes. Let's not resist the change. Um, it's, but it is a mindset shift. I love how you explain that too, because I think you're you're really defining what it means to work pretty much anywhere, right? <laughs> you, you start out with a scope and you almost immediately go beyond that. And it's not because you're trying to. It's because somebody at the table is going to have a great idea. And it's always a shame when you say no to the great idea because you have to stick to the plan. And I think that's why iterations work so nicely. Um, so it's really interesting to hear you kind of share some of that. Although it does kind of get me thinking, you know, as you're talking about how you continue to progress and how things can get bigger and better, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you still keep that manageable. Because I'm sure many of us have worked on teams where you have these great projects and they do go through iterations and they're constantly getting bigger and constantly getting bigger. And after a while, it just gets very difficult to figure out how to properly manage them, how to rein them in, how to stick to a timeline. So I'm wondering if that's something you've experienced or if you have any thoughts about what we might do to keep ourselves from letting those iterations get away from us. Absolutely. And <laughs> um, yes, I, we, we have plenty of projects in, that, that do that. Although my t- our, our teams tend to have fewer of that because we charge for that. Right? I see. So, right? So we charge by the hour, not by the deliverable. Mm-hmm. And so that helps to, um, it, it, it helps keep us from some of the willy nilly changes. And it really focuses on the changes that are meaningful and important. But if you think about it, right, nobody works for free, or very few of us at least right. work for free. And every hour we spend changing something from purple to green or ands to ampersands and then back is an hour we're not spending doing something else, right? So the other thing that Agile is it's super transparent. Um, It's super transparent about what the process is, what the the what we're doing, what the time frame is, what the impact are. Um, so 
you know, for example, we, uh, I was just, just the other day in a, uh, a meeting, uh, with a, a group of uh, the project sponsor, some, brilliant subject matter experts. My gosh, just to be in the room with them is is outstanding. They're so deeply soaked and passionate about their work. And we are at the storyboard stage of an e-learning course. And we go to launch in, we have an hour to review the course. No kidding. We spend the first 10 to 15 minutes and we're still only six screens in. And we're having a conversation about what is this course really about? But it started with, is that the right title? And then it was like, no, actually, what is this course really about? And as frustrating as it may be to be this many weeks in and to be at a point in which we're saying, what's that all about? If If we don't answer this now, we're in bigger trouble later on. So we stopped and we, we, we had this conversation and then we said, all right, so we didn't actually finish the review today. It's not really appropriate for us to keep building and you're not meeting for two weeks. Does that mean it's okay if the project timeline slips because the project timeline is going to slip? And the, 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 the team had to say, yeah, yeah, this is really important. So we're going to let the project timeline slip. And so it's those, it's not that they get to do this and I still am on the hook for the same date, right? We have these very transparent conversations about the impacts of these things. And as I'm hearing you share some of that, I mean, that's, it's such a powerful story because I, again, kind of feel like many of us have been in rooms where that sort of thing has happened. You know, you almost go back to the philosophy of the course before you can make any real progress on it. It sounds to me like using the llama model is actually just as helpful at promoting good communication within a team. That idea of transparency and that idea of sort of things are out there for people to see and to comment on and react to. Do you find that teams who use this also tend to have either improved communications or is communication a little bit easier in some cases? I do, Stephanie. And it's 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 improved communication. It's also improved handoffs and 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 um workflow management when they can get it right um it and everybody's super transparent about things um it works the other thing is that it also helps from a a time bucketing and a time management perspective so some of the ways in which we estimate the effort we break great big amorphous things down into small granular bits and when i do that I'm able to keep myself on track a little bit better and to know when I'm getting off track. So if you say, hey, Megan, you've got all week, right? Write me a storyboard or build me a course or build a, a guide for something, right? If you ask me Wednesday afternoon how I'm doing, I'm going to say it's Wednesday afternoon. I'll, I'll finish somehow by <laughs> sure. Friday. But it's, it's this big, mushy thing. And if what we do is we agree that we're going to break it down into, okay, so I've got, you know, if I start on Monday and end on Friday, that means I have 10 half days of effort to chunk things down. And I can tell you by Wednesday afternoon, if I'm not six half days of effort in, I can tell you whether or not I'm going to hit Friday or not. And I can make adjustments if I'm not. So it also really helps that time management. And again, complete agile doesn't say it's a communication methodology or a change management methodology or a time management methodology, but these things fall out of it. And it's really, really cool. Sounds like the full package. And and it's a lot. It's a lot to take in initially. 
Like, so what are some, for those that are new, what are some first steps? So one is, is, is simply to, to, to start learning about some of the methods and the techniques. Um, there's, um, uh, you know, I, I, I like to think of agile, agile methods and this might get me in trouble with, with agile purists. Um, <laughs> Just, just putting that out there. Let's um, do it. Let's, let's go there, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> there are things when, when so I teach a, a workshop, right? Um, and in the workshop, we cover uh, like eight, ten technique, agile techniques, and I say it's not like a weight loss program. Like a weight loss program, they say, well, you've got to do the exercise, and you've got to do the food, and you've got to do the sleep, and you've got to drink the water, and you've got to do the, all the things, right? <laughs> and if you don't do all the things, we don't guarantee any results. Um, and what I find is that you can pick and choose some of the techniques and start using them and start getting some benefits without doing the entire thing. The other thing is to have a, a business sponsor, a project sponsor, who is willing to go there with you on a new project. I say, this is the one in which we're going to try it out. Our first ever Agile project, it was a riot because the guy, the, the lead instructional designer, um, Dave, he, he, his, his desk was in the, just happened to be kind of in the middle of our room. And we all got to literally watch him do this work with his client and the rest of his team. And we all got to learn as we, we went. And so having that, that support was really cool. I think that sounds like a really helpful way to help an organization with buy-in too. Because I know sometimes when something new is pitched, the initial reaction is no, we haven't done it that way. It sounds like it's complex. We don't have time. Let's just do it the way we usually do. So it sounds like having a project sponsor and having people who would be able to speak to it, support it, maybe even a couple of examples from other organizations could be helpful for, say, an instructional designer who's listened today and thinks, yes, this is what I need to bring to my company. How am I supposed to get them to say, yes, let's do this. Let's bring in Agile. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I recommend to like take an Agile approach to implementing Agile. Right? You go with that first project. It's, it's a likely project. It's a manageable project. It's not a disaster from the day one, right? Um, and you've got that willing project sponsor and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn or you're going to try something and decide you want to refine it later on. And, um, and you learn as you go and you get feedback, right? From the people who are most amenable to giving you that feedback. They wanted you to use an agile approach. So they're going to be more patient with you. And then you let your naysayers go last after you've proven yourself on a few projects. Well, I love that. Use agile to implement Agile. <laughs> That's awesome. That's brilliant. I, I I, that is a wonderful strategy and a great way to practice in a way, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, I mean, I think we could dive into this like for the next hour, but <laughs> unfortunately it's, it's well, but fortunately, cause we're still going to get more information out of you. It's time for rapid fire. Let's do it. I love it. Okay. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. Don Norman's book, The Design of Everyday Things. I don't care if you go first edition or second edition, um, you will think about everything 
differently from the, the door when you walk in and out of a building to how a web page or a course is designed. And I, that book, when I first read it hmm, two, maybe more decades ago, uh, really just shook my world. Wow. I love those books that are like paradigm shifting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Cool. Okay. So what is one tool you can't live without? I'm going to say something that you're probably not expecting me to say. My knitting needles. Oh, and I'm not I a big knitter. I only know <laughs> how to knit dishcloths, um, but they sit here in my office next to my desk. And when I need to listen, pay attention, and remind myself to be quiet and uh-huh. listen and not multitask, I knit. And it keeps my fingers busy and it gives me a tactile reminder to shut my mouth and listen. Wow. And, um, and so that is my, my, that's actually my executive presence technique is to use that to slow, slow myself down. Wow. And I knit um, dozens of very bad, full of errors, uh, usually inconsistently <laughs> sized uh, dishcloths and give them to my teammates every year. Oh, I love that. And you know, th- they can be multi-purpose. I, that's, I, I love it. Oh, that's so great. Okay. Final one. What is the best piece of advice that you can think of right now <laughs> that you've ever been given? So, I, you, you know, I gave this one some thoughts because we were having some, some talk about this. Um, a piece of advice that a friend gave me that is really very calming uh, for me is... <laughs> another funny one, right? As long as I have my laptop and a credit card, I can do anything. Oh. Doesn't matter. In fact, I went, I was about to go speak um, at a, uh, a conference uh, recently and I realized at the last minute that I didn't have a clicker. It's been a pandemic. I didn't have a presentation clicker and I didn't have the right um, uh, dongle adapter for their room. I'm like, that's okay. I've got my laptop. And I have a credit card. And I stopped at Best Buy <laughs> on the way, got what I, in go. and out, five minutes, got what I needed. And it just totally calmed me down. So yeah, I know it's kind of silly, but it's, <laughs> it helps. No, there's, there's, a, there's you know, a, a deep meaning in there too. There it, is. Yeah. I have Make a very sure. similar philosophy. Oh yeah? Yeah, I do. Actually, my, my philosophy is that when I travel, I'll give myself all the grace I need as far as putting together my suitcase and making sure I've got everything ready to go. When I get to the airport, the only thing that matters is I have my wallet, my phone, and my ID. That's it. If I've got my wallet, my phone, and my ID, I can get everything else. Yep. That's it. Yeah. 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 I I love that philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Finding what makes you comfortable, your comfort stuff, and make sure you have it and everything else falls into place. Awesome. Well, I got to say, I I don't know what I love the most. The advice, the fact that you're a fellow knitter. I I also am a (laughs) knitter on calls. So we are somehow just long lost relatives, kindred spirits. I don't know what, but we are, we've got a lot of similarities here. Among them now, I am absolutely on board with Agile. This has been so enlightening, so informative. I am so excited to start to bring this into the work that I do. I bet we've got a lot of listeners out there who are feeling the same way. So Megan, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing so much with us today. 
It has truly been my pleasure. It's uh, like you said, I could keep talking about this for hours. (laughs) So could I. I mean, this this has been phenomenal. And Chris, of course, a big thank you to to you for joining as a co-host today. Oh, this has been fun. I've learned a lot. And many thanks to all of you in our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community to learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on volunteer to get started. Mm-hmm.